So we contemplate citta, the the affected, affected the affective sense, being affected, sight, sounds, so forth. Actually, it's the perceptions that arise, the triggering of awareness, and then the perceptions arise of colors and lights and forms and tactile objects and people and nice things and interesting things and so on. There's the arising of contact. Contact, the basis for perception and feeling. (coughs) Contact, the basis for volition. Dependent upon contact, we act. We move towards or away from things. Or we psychologically react to them. React and respond to perceptions and feelings. Contact is the basis for sankhara, for volitions, volitional formations, feeling, perception. Contact is the origin of karma, of activity. Contact is another one of these uh, ways that sankhara manifests. It's determined, it's activated, and it activates. So it's something, you come into contact, and there's a sort of a a tremble of touching, and something activates there. It's actually, because it's not volition, volition is a sankara, intention is sankara, it's a much more conscious rush, you know, towards, or pulling away from, or fiddling with. Uh, so we don't necessarily notice that contact is itself is is also sankara. Perhaps we don't really even care whether it is or not. So what? But it is a big so what because based upon this experience of contact arises the sense of I am in this. I am with this. I am being contacted by this. I am needing to reach out into that. I am being stabbed by this. I am being soothed by this. I wish I could have some of this happen to me. This pleasant contact, if only it would happen to me. So there's quite a lot there in in contact. Contact is the triggering of I am. And I am is the latent view that sits in the chitta, in the effective sense. <clears throat> and it's what we are looking, is there a way in which this I am can be understood, released, dissolved? Mm. Because it's, it is problematic. Notice it's always needing to do something or have something. Make something, know something, prove itself, criticize itself chase itself around. It's a busy thing. (laughs) And it's unfulfilled. There's always something not quite right about it, if you notice. Something, if it's a little more of this or a little less of that, it would be okay. There's always something not quite right about I am. (laughs) And the, the fundamental setup of it is it seems to be independent. I am me. 
you know, it's who I am, and you're you, I'm different, I'm independent. See, it, present, it presents itself as independent. Sometimes we treasure it for its independence, ability to be independent. But it's always dependent on a sight, a sound, a thought, an idea, an activity. It's always dependent. It's never independent. It's always, I am hungry, I am happy, I'm going to do this. I never get there. I am never going to get to that. You know, it's always dependent upon some feeling, perception, impression, program, sankara, or something or the other. It's always dependent, claiming to be independent. So it's confused, isn't it? Since it's <laughs> and it wants to be united with the, the pleasant and the agreeable and the peaceful and so on. But it's, it is why there isn't the peaceful. <laughs> you know, it's trying to find the answer, but it is the problem. Fortunately, it's not a real thing. It's a view that is continually activated in the chitta through contact, impression. <clears throat> and through the uh, understanding of contact, the healing of it, so it's not wildly reaching out, lunging out, that perception, nor is it drawn back, fearful, nor is it reaching out, hanging on to things around. Through the healing of that, the calming of that, there can be the ceasing of contact, the resting of it, state of balance, presence here. And then the, the I am can doesn't have to arise. If we look at it, you know, perhaps more <coughs> personally, intimately, notice how many times as you meditate, there you are and you're defending yourself against somebody or them or the situation. Or you're justifying yourself in terms of them, or her, or him, or the situation. Or you're regretting something about him, or her, what you did, what you didn't do, or the situation. Mm. Or you try to drag something good out of that memory trying to remember it, glean something from it. Or the I am is wondering, remembering family, friends, parents, elders, juniors, youngers. Are they, how's he? How is she? Are they okay? Is it all right? Or it's imagining that yogi who lives the other opposite What's wrong with her when she opens the door in the morning? She doesn't look very good. That one who walks through the, the dining hall with his head down, 
I think he's going mad. <laughs> I've seen it happen. And then we sit in our room, we think this mad yogi, who actually is three doors down from me. <laughs> he might do something mad in the middle of the night, you know. Because he had his, you saw him walking through the, the, the kitchen with his head down and a cup in his hand, not looking very happy, psychotic, obviously. <laughs> and then you go to bed at night, I think there's that psychotic, is only three doors away from me. <laughs> I can see the headlines now. <laughs> Woman butchered in retreat center. <laughs> is called contact. <laughs> it's not always absolutely true, is it? But it's absolutely poignant and stirring. Is it true? Is it not true? Well, it's, it's affected. And then, you, you know, think someone you had an argument with 10 years ago, and they're still there, still in that arguing mode. The person has kind of, you know, got married, uh, had kids, been happy, had a dog, played frisbee, and all you see in them is this angry person. <laughs> that is, that's, that's the perception that stays there. So you contact perception are conditioned and conditioning. They condition, we store up memories and perceptions of people and things. And <clears throat> along with that, what is stored up is not how accurate is that? Isn't it rather subjective? Isn't it rather subjective? We're feeling as some of my anxiety is wound up with that. Some of my uncertainty is wound up with that. Some of my wish fulfillment is well is is in that. Some of my sense of being responsible, worrying, is, is, is all bound up with that. Some of my feeling of being inadequate is bound up with that perception. I didn't do enough for so-and-so, you know. Some of my feeling of being treated unkindly is bound up with that, you know. I remember everything, being righteous and, yeah, it didn't, you know, kind of things all bound up with that, isn't it? And, so through these we begin to, to recognize the per contact, perception, and of being affected a very important area to contemplate, to meditate on it, to really understand some of the conditioning around I am. If the condition now the point is you don't get you don't have to attack I am if you begin to release the conditioning the I am dissolves. The I am is dependently arisen upon perceptions, feelings, and these volitional formations, these psychological activities that keep happening as we remember things, as we sense things, as we interpret things, as we interpret the present, as we interpret other people, as we interpret meditation, as we interpret our bodies, as we interpret 
what people say as we interpret everything. Contact is an interpreter. It's not an unbiased transmission. It's an interpreter. If you just kind of re- re- try to re- just remember that even that little phrase, we're interpreting life. We're not seeing it as it is. We're interpreting it. And there are several interpreters at work. There's the mistrust interpreter. There's the fear interpreter. <coughs> and there's the greed interpreter. Well, it really, you know, it interprets things as wonderful and desirable. So you, these are, um, when those interpretations are understood and released, then this is called the ceasing of contact. It doesn't mean you become numb. It means that all the issues and the biases and the in contact are cleaned and then contact is just simply touch, sight, sound, momentary arising. And there isn't this kind of, you know, all these resonances. And how <clears throat> we rather value those residences, they give us a sense of uh, fond memories and so on, but then they, you know, they set us up for loss, don't they? If we think, you think of your children, or, you know, somebody dear to you, then you think of them being attacked, dying in an accident, just how bad that would feel. Mm. Seem to think of it. You know, drives an arrow in and you find yourself resonating and vibrating and anxious. Then consider, is it possible that nothing harmful will ever happen to them? <laughs> no. Is it possible they will not experience pain, heartbreak, disease, decay and death? No. Hmm? And this is, yeah, so what happens as we sense that? This is the, uh, we've internalized the world and that's perception. And we're fond of it. We're fond of it. And then you store it up and then it stabs you. Yeah, the the unpleasant ones, things that have been difficult, painful, abusive. Uh, we re- we remember those, and they st- they stay in us, and then we see the world through those tints. You know, aware of you know being attacked or being condemned or being shut out. We sense that. We see things through that lens. That's difficult, isn't it? And then the causes of the things we're fond of, and the people we're fond of. And then, you know, 
and they stab you when they pass away or degenerate or die or have pain. But it's not their fault. That's, that's that's life, isn't it? <clears throat> so it's this storing up <coughs> perceptions. Why are they stored up? What is it that stores them up? It's this sense of it fills, it establishes I am. I am my memory. I am my history. I am my relationships, I am in that. Here this, it's called, I call it the karmic field. I don't know how accurate that is, but it's the field. Field means a kind of broad area of our associations, activities, things that we remember, touch into, or half remember, or tuned into. I have a tendency to feel, you know, something regards to nature or people or people in uniforms or something. You know, you've got some karmic senses there. Karmic field. And, you know, it comes, it starts to activate when you, as particularly in a renunciate situation such as this one, when you're putting aside a lot of the forward-moving activities of activity, you know, the going on to something and now you're opening you're widening into the present and you're, you're starting to widen and open into your karmic field you're not moving forward so you're widening into your karmic field with its good and its negative impressions perceptions so and as you move around things may be getting triggered by that you know how your karmic field is being how you feel about being in groups if you're compressed or sort of or you feel comfortable you feel a bit funny on your own you feel more comfortable when there's a few other people around little things like that and then bigger things such as you hear loud sounds or you see expressions on people's faces that affect you Or just be living under a system of restraint, how we feel it, how we perceive that. Has it become prisoned, imprisoned, you know, or, you know, something of that nature? Do we feel we're at school again or in the army? So all these, these kind of things that can be there in, in the field. And some of it, is not external but internal. You know, triggered internally, you remember something, it triggers something off. Well, you've come into areas in your body and it feels, hey, what's that? You know, something arises around that particular place in your body. You feel pressure or you feel restricted or you feel sad even. So all this is kind of woven into into experience. Now when we're not deliberately moving forward or holding on to an object so tightly, the loosening means you become more aware of what's in the in the field.
and this is <coughs> how the I am sense is, is, is held, held in this field. The beauty of it also, though, is that if you maintain the sense of presence and awareness within that, like just being here, being here within all that, within all the f- senses of whatever, you know, mistrust or nostalgia or not getting it right or so much to do or not enough to do or why do I have to be with this? Why is it like that? Why can't, you know, whatever it is that's, that's kind of bubbling or muttering, holding presence with that, not resisting it, not fighting with it, but just holding presence with that. These are... Uh, Enlightenment factors and spiritual faculties start to gather in that. As we meet our edge, as we meet our karmic field, as we meet our interpretations and translations and perceptions and feelings, just meeting them, um, you get a lot of uh, strength comes in. And it comes in without forcing it. It just comes in quite naturally. Just maintaining present awareness in that. Grounded in the body. Breathing in, breathing out. Sensing what's affecting me now. What I seem to be now. What's happening to me now causes and conditions. And as you hold steadily and feel the uh, quality of meditation and the softened, steady awareness, it begins to allow these to discharge. You meet the mistrust or the agitation, breathing and just meeting it and it begins to unravel. You don't have to be ashamed of it or fight with it or justify it. You don't have to do anything with it apart from hold it in presence, breathing in, breathing out, really unravel. like the uh, image of the Buddha in his enlightenment where he's touching the earth and he's assailed by the various uh, host of forms of the host of Mara fear, defeat, boredom, craving um, all that stuff and he's just holding presence in that touching the earth that's his, that's his mudra, touching the earth Touching the earth, and there's this stuff is kind of, and then in that touching the earth means really coming into to steady presence. This strength comes up, all this parami strength. It comes up in the form of the earth goddess. So it's something very natural and natural, and it's female. So it's something that's not fighting but nourishing. 
uh, quality coming within and dispelling the host just by its soft nourishing quality that's that's the image he didn't get up and buckle on his sword and shield and start hammering away at the host of Mara or getting his law book out and giving them the reading the the articles to them rights and wrongs <laughs> so this is the soft strength strength of presence there's a nourishing quality to it may this your sense of being here be feel, feel adequate may your sense of being here feel this is authentic may it be connected to the ground may your sense of being here now be a a sense of how wonderful how did this happen how did how do you get to be here <laughs> what is that you know there's a lovely innocence to it there's this and then from that you get a sense of quiet confidence and strength you don't have to make an I am you don't have to be good or bad or anywhere you don't have to be anything and that it comes such a relief so that psychological activity can be allowed to dissolve may just come into presence purifying the heart but I can't purify the heart because I'm, I'm the problem <laughs> or the not the problem but the kind of the, the bit that gets in the way, the obstruction. And yet, we can set up these conditions and causes for that purification, that clearing, that bathing and, and washing out of distress and stress and fear and tightness and, you know, grabbing and you can wash, wash it all out. That's the... Uh, that's the felt sense. It's also the felt sense, it's not something you do, it's something that, that happens. You kind of relax into it. You trust it. But you stay awake, you relax too much, you fall asleep. <laughs> Or not physically fall asleep, but psychologically, spiritually, just, oh well, so what? It's all going to happen by itself anyway. Not quite. Uh, the basic framework of mindfulness, right? This is the first of the enlightenment factors. One is fully present, conscious, aware. Mm. <clears throat> Satisankato is that sankara creeping in again. This means that the, sank, the mindfulness is activated. It's saying it's, it's just kind of placed. Yeah. It's sankara, do you place mindfulness? It's something that's established. Dhamma vijaya, investigation, exploring, feeling how it is, what's really happening here sensing it. So this we stay awake. You know, are you leaning forward? Are you resisting? Are you kind of pulling back? Something you're not wanting to be present? 
something you wanted to make something you know what's really going on in all that in all that field hmm? trying to hoard something store something learn something know something abolish something it's exploring and this gives this quality of exploring carefully is energizing you're doing it from the heart it's not uh, an academic thing it's a heart sense and just really bringing heart right into it you're exploring something for your own welfare you're exploring it to see what you can get how you can get more comfortable how you can put aside what you don't need that's that's the energy how can i feel more settled put aside that thing that's not necessary where's the bit where it can unlock it's applied as that energy virya and you see that as you begin to cultivate that's the quality of rapture something uplifting oh yeah this isn't just some boring old thing where you breathe in and breathe out so what but you know plot up and down so what but actually you know meeting your own stuff and uh, translating it into enlightenment translating into liberation rather than interpreting it as I am Now, so you you can tr- you can meet these things in meditation very much. What I'm recommending, in terms of the heart, is to get simpler and simpler, and trying to meet things on an energetic level. So you probably you know what can occur is a whole sort of stream of thought comes in, or pictures and images and so on comes in, and it's quite complex. A lot of reverberation around it, a lot of movement. It's difficult. How do you meet that? Well, you have to first of all kind of sum it up. This is something I want more of or want less of. I feel it's pressing in on me or I'm trying to rush after it. Is it the train's pulling out the station? I've got to jump on board. Or is it the train's running me over? I've got to try and get out, you know. Which way is it going? Getting a feeling for that. The emotion of fear or the emotion of need. Yeah, things of this nature. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff, but trying to get down to simple emotional currents. You know, with the current, you can call emotion anger or fear or greed, but even more subtly than that, just just the direction it's going in. Yeah, so just the direction of pushing something away or rising up against something, charging out against something, and that that energy or is it reaching out for something or is it trying to pat something you know what's it what's the movement of the emotion then you come to the energetic level so that's that's the quality that really is, is most easy to meet meet the sense of pushing grabbing whatever whatever is occurring reverberating and then that how how are you? Can you be present with that? Yeah. So you take away the pictures and the stories and just down to the, the raw movement of 
emotional energy, sankara. That's you know, stripping it down, being present with that, steadying present with that, including it, not trying to cure it, but actually including it means you, you widen, feel the energy of that, try to s- just bring that energy into you, like you're feeling its vitality, its forms, and um, breathing into it. Because it always seems that I am is either operating that energy or on the receiving end of it, it's happening to me. It's somehow separate from being. It's something that's happening to me. I am doing something. But actually... I am being created by that, is more the understanding. It's not that I am annoyed or I am irritated or I am guilty or I am grieved, but now that is creating me. It's creating the I am. And so in order to release it, we have to stop creating the I am in it, meet it as an energy, be okay with that, breathe it in, breathe it out. Feel, feel it in your body, all that stuff. Hmm? And you're changing contact. You're beginning to come into the places of karmic contact. So contact could be just my feet on the floor. That isn't a problem. It's great. When you're talking about karmic contact, I mean my interpretations of people and the past and myself. So this is where the real charge is, isn't it? And the habitual energies form. Got to be good, got to make, got to succeed, got to perform, come on, you know, whatever, can't do it. So that's where the, that's the contact impressions that you need, one needs to meet because this is where we are reciting the same story over and over because we haven't really heard it properly breathing into it so this is how and and as you just meeting your 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 shadows um it's like meeting the host of mara it's you can say this is canonical it's very traditional, it goes way back. <laughs> and uh, through that, there can be a transformation. Transformation brings around a calming effect, and then the mind steadies, so you have the factors of samadhi and equanimity. One becomes more equanimous, more settled, less emotionally charging forwards or charging backwards. Able to accept all the ripples in the field of life. Let them run through without getting activated by it.
And when we see how much energy there is in our karmic formations, how persistent they are, how tenacious they are, how vigorous they can be, how ingenious they are, popping up at any given moment. If only that, all that energy could be converted, you could probably light up the retreat center with it. I think one of the, if we just tap the source of human suffering and defilement, turn it into energy, we probably would be able to switch off oil. (laughs) But you know the way it goes, it's because we don't that we keep consuming more and more. Now you get right to the kind of root of the environmental problem in a relationship to the planet around us is it's using that to try to dissolve stuff that can really only be dissolved spiritually. You know, looking for it for our, uh, it's going to make us happy. No, it's not supposed to be making you happy. You're supposed to be making you happy. Through, through, through Dhamma. So once we can do that, then our, our need level drops right down. You know, so there's something very practical about this, you know, in terms of lifestyle. So if we... <coughs> As we come through some of the grosser activations of the mind, it comes in a sense of steadiness and steadying. It doesn't have to be that rock solid, but good grounded feeling, sense of comfort. And that will continue to deepen over years. The more and more you just access it, then you begin to say, okay, well, this is probably you know where it's at now. There's something that keeps kind of coming up. And then we have to see how we can, instead of batting it away, transform it. What is this? What am I doing with this thing? You know, what's the contact impression and the activity? Is it something I'm trying to sort of shove under the cushion, or I'll deal with in when I get off retreat? You know, something like that. Uh, uh, and if you keep bring it right into here and now, what's happening, the activations, something of the past, you can't deal, you can't go back in time. So now we begin to look into, investigate, what is this, what's the I am that's coming up with that? The oppressed I am, the busy I am, the dutiful I am, the inadequate I am, you know, you get you get it, yeah? And then all the activities that happen trying to deal with that. So come through that, really, be here, you're fine. And then looking right at those, those places where we're being activated. Pushing forward, pulling away, fidgeting, 
energies, breathing in, breathing out, holding them in presence, letting them strengthen us, letting them make us more spacious, letting them make us more awake. So awake that you don't need the I am anymore. You don't need something to tell you who you are because you have this. And that's the, the long run, that's the beauty of it. The I am is desperately, studiously trying to hold me together and get me okay. It does its best, but the Dhamma does it a lot better <laughs> than I do. <laughs> so you, know, you see, the however well-meaning it is, it's just not up to the task. The Dhamma does it a lot better. It's always uh, so. We, that's our direction: tapping into that letting the process unfold through our you know, tender spots and our bruises and our reaching out and our stuff and okay softening widening including it so, so the contact impressions begin to dissolve it just becomes open So I hope this is of some use for you today and uh, we'll meet again this evening.